Sunday night football. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's lost. Mills got a trace. And there is your dagger. And welcome to the podcast. You are now listening to NFL Picks with Gabe, an everything burrito production. We're so excited to have you in. Of course, we got another thrilling week of NFL action. Week four is on tap. Tonight, we get a game. It's not much of a game because we're talking about the Denver Broncos at the New York Jets. Uh, not, not a real exciting one. We'll get to that one and all of Sunday's action as we move forward. Uh, but just want to be uh, full disclosure here. We had a rough week last week. Uh, how do we do? Well, straight up, we did fine. Uh, we got uh, we got ten games right. We got five games wrong, and we got one tie. That's right. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Philadelphia Eagles got the NFL equivalent of kissing your sister. The tie. The you hate to get a tie. That's what happened. We went ten five and one straight up. Against the spread, you would have been better off last week uh, taking some darts and throwing them at the dartboard and just taking whatever came there because uh, we went 7-9 and nine last week against the spread. You would have been better just, just rolling the dice and going 50-50 than taking my picks because we were 7-9. and nine. We're going to do better than that this week. Uh, that's a promise. We're going to do better than that. So... Uh, for the season, we're 22-9 and one straight up. We're still four games above 500 against the spread at 18 and 14, and we're gonna do good this week. I swear it. So, uh, what games do we have on tap? Well, let, let's talk Denver and, and New York. Neither of these are good football teams. They're both awful and they're banged up. You know, you think about Denver from the start of the season; they've been missing Von Miller, so of course they're banged up. And now you're looking at a team who not only doesn't have uh, their their starting quarterback, uh, but injuries have limited the Philip Lindsay. Injuries have knocked their all-pro wide receiver Cortland Sutton out. Denver is banged up. On the other side, you have the Jets team who, of course, they lost Lev Bell. They lost some pieces too. I'm not trying to uh, underrate the things that they've lost. But basically, they're just bad. They're an incompetent football team run by a buffoon. I do not know how Adam Gase still has a job. He is not qualified to be an NFL football coach. In this game, because you have starting quarterback Drew Locke knocked out of the game for for Denver, um, they're not starting uh, Jeff Driscoll, and instead they're going to be giving uh, Brett Rippon his first shot as a starting quarterback in the NFL. You know, it's a good game to be Brett Rippon that way, making your first start, because you're going up against a terrible Jets defense here. And so he's got a shot. He can put up a few points. And the Jets offense is awful. You saw that against the Colts. They can't move the ball. And so with Denver favored by two and a half, I mean, I don't think Denver's a good team. And, you know, you got a a quarterback making his first NFL start. But, you know, I'm still taking Denver in this one, and I'm taking them to win 27-24. So as two-and-a-half-point favorites, I guess we'll take Denver against the spread as well. Thursday night football, not been a thing of beauty. They need to work on these matchups. They need to get some better matchups in here because uh, no matter how this game goes, 
these two teams are not going to be in playoff contention about midway through the season. Uh, our next matchup, maybe a little better matchup, uh, we're looking at the Los Angeles Chargers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and the Buccaneers have looked like they're, they're kind of improving. They're, they're playing better. Uh, week one was was not an inspiring performance, and gradually it seems like they're they're kind of gelling. They're kind of coming together. Uh, the whole Arians Brady relationship hasn't been perfect, but it hasn't been terrible. Now I, I think that the Buccaneers' offense is going to continue to do better and better. Uh, again, with with Tom Brady, he's he's forty three. We have to moderate our expectations on that basis. This game, they're going to do without Chris Godwin, again, one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, but Brady still has plenty of targets to throw at. He really loves Scotty Miller, so he's he's going to be there for Brady. Um, Ronald Jones has looked very, very good as a running back. He runs with power. He runs hard. So they have that going for them. This Chargers team is scrappy. They generally uh, tend to keep most games pretty close. Uh, but you saw they couldn't beat the Christian McCaffrey-less Carolina Panthers last week. Uh, Justin Herbert, for all the things that he does right, he's still not a good quarterback in the NFL. And Tampa's going to roll here. Um, Tampa's defense is, is a little uh, underrated, maybe. Their offense is maybe a little overrated. So we're, we're going to take Tampa to, to win this one. At 27-24 over the Chargers. The Chargers, of course, they're they're seven and a half point underdogs. So we are taking them against the spread, but we're taking Tampa to win straight up. Uh, the Chargers are a good team. Um, they they just they need um, more consistency and they need better play. Honestly, from from Eckler, uh, they need that two headed running game to be huge. Um, they need to get healthy. You know, when, when Derwin James is back, when Melvin Ingram is back, this is a good football team. But for the present, they don't have what it takes to beat Tampa. Uh, I, I do think you'll see uh, Rob Gronkowski continue to look halfway decent now. Uh, so that's a huge weapon in Tampa Bay's favor. And, I, you know, I just think they take the, the win straight up here. But I, I think the Chargers can hang with them. I think the Chargers will play them tough. That brings us to Cleveland at Dallas. Uh, the Browns are a team that are, are kind of confusing at first glance because the team you thought you had, when you're talking about Baker Mayfield slinging it all over the yard during his rookie year, you got Odell Beckham Jr. coming into the fold. Jarvis Landry seems like a, a great weapon in the pass game. And, and you kind of think, oh, okay, they must have a strong passing attack. Well, the thing about that is they don't. But what the Cleveland Browns do have is a great one-two punch at running back. Nick Chubb is one of the best to do it. He is an excellent, excellent running back. He's got uh, great explosiveness and he runs with power and tenacity. He's got excellent ball carrier vision. I'm a big fan of Nick Chubb. The offensive line is playing very well. And of course, you have Kareem Hunt, who is playing out of his mind as well as Chubb's backup. So you have a run-dominant team in the Cleveland Browns, and that means that the Dallas Cowboys are in trouble because the Cowboys are too banged up. So the Cowboys have been looking fairly good because they have been playing very well offensively, 
and they've been playing some teams that like to exploit you through the pass. That's not going to be the case here with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are going to run the ball straight down the Cowboys' throats. You're going to see a lot of Kareem Hunt, a lot of Nick Chubb, and the Cowboys are not going to be able to stop that. Their linebacking core is injured. Their front four uh, does good at getting getting after the passer. You saw that with Alden Smith going off last week. And of course, Demarcus Lawrence and some of these known commodities, even Al Woods and people like that. And yet, uh, against Cleveland, really Cleveland's going to be able to exploit the Dallas run defense. And I think that's going to be the difference in this game. Now, the Cowboys will still get their points. They have a really good offense. And Dallas's defense, or Cleveland's defense rather, isn't some kind of uh, unbelievable stop unit, but it has enough to get it done. Miles Garrett's going to put consistent pressure on the quarterback. Uh, the Cleveland uh, defensive backs are kind of underrated with, with Carl Joseph, Denzel Ward, uh, Ronnie Harrison back there. They're a good defensive backfield, and it's not like they're going to shut Prescott and Cooper down. Uh, they're not going to shut down CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. They're, they're not going to do that. And yet they're going to do enough uh, to contain them. And the Cleveland offense is just going to take the air out of the ball. And you're going to see Cleveland win this game. Now, the Cowboys are favored by four and a half points. I'm taking Cleveland to win straight up. I'm going to say Cleveland 34, Dallas 21. So taking Cleveland to win straight up and against the spread. Uh, So the Seahawks this year, let's talk about the Seahawks. The Seahawks at the Dolphins this week is the matchup, and Seattle has looked thrilling. They've been a thrill to watch, to be honest. I have really enjoyed watching Seattle football because Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. And while I, I got a few things wrong last week, one thing I did get right last week was I predicted that Russell Wilson would throw five touchdown passes. And guess what? Russell Wilson threw five touchdown passes. But it would have been six if DK Metcalf hadn't been showboating his way into the end zone and allowed himself to get Leon Lett on his way to the end zone. Uh, alertly, uh, the defensive back pokes the ball out and uh, Metcalf is is boneheaded in the way that he goes about that. The point, however, here is the Seattle offense is unstoppable with Russell Wilson. Until we see the Seattle offense stopped, I do not think it can be stopped. Right now, Wilson is playing at such an extreme level of football, he has really elevated this team to an unbelievable degree. And I give full credit to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They're they're a big part of what he's doing as well. But Wilson is is just he's playing out of his mind. This is the best football that we've seen an individual play since Mahomes 2018. So Wilson right now, uh, yeah, he's the MVP. Um, but it's about the way that he's elevating his team, and I expect full well them to put up another, yeah, let's say 42 points on this Miami defense. Um, Miami's defense has played well. They've played really solid. You saw them make Gardner Minshew uh, look bad last week. Um, They held the Jacksonville offense to 13 points. Uh, This is not Jacksonville. This is Seattle. And Russell Wilson is not Gardner Minshew. He is going to tear you up, and that's exactly what he'll do. So Miami on offense... uh, it depends on the week that you watch them. Sometimes 
uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is Fitzmagic. And sometimes he's, I don't know, he's a, he's a flop. And um, he's not Fitz dumpster fire, but I mean, he's not good at some weeks. So really, I, th- I think you're, you're wondering which Fitzpatrick is going to show up. And even his supporting cast has been inconsistent. Sometimes Miles Gaskin is looking like, okay, that's a running back for the future, a running back you can build on. Sometimes Devontae Parker looks like an upper echelon number one receiver. And sometimes these guys look like, yeah, I don't even know if they'd be starting on another team. So, you know, you got Fitzpatrick uh, dueling with Wilson. You know, he could put up some points, but I'm kind of looking at him maybe flopping this week. We'll see, but... I'm going to take Seattle to win this one, and I'm going to say 42-13. to 13. I really don't give the Dolphins any chance of winning this game. Seattle's favored by 6.5. I think that line could be bigger. I know I said that last week as well, and yeah, Seattle obviously did beat the spread, not by a huge margin, but they did, and uh, I expect them to, to win by at least a touchdown against the Dolphins here. That takes us to two teams that have really, really disappointed. The 0-3 Minnesota Vikings and the 0-3 Houston Texans. Uh, Both of them got rid of their best receiver last year uh, in the offseason, Stephon Diggs departing to Buffalo uh, for Minnesota. And then for the Houston Texans, they lost DeAndre Hopkins in a a ill-advised deal, let's say, uh, to to trade for David Johnson um, to, to the Cardinals there. And you're looking at two teams here that just they nothing has gone right for them this season. Now I'm going to give a slight edge to the Texans because they have played, let's see, the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, three of the top teams in the NFL, whereas the Vikings can't seem to do anything against anyone. Uh, they looked bad against the Colts. They looked bad against the Titans, albeit they, they came close to winning and Justin Jefferson went supernova and went for like 175 yards. But they, they just they can't pull these games out, and they don't look good on so many different levels. Their defense, which has been their calling card, really hasn't looked like an elite defense. Now you're, you're taking on Deshaun Watson, and albeit he doesn't have the targets that he's had in years past, and yet Deshaun Watson's going to get his points. Even against the Steelers' defense, Deshaun Watson uh, did what he could. And I think the Vikings defense is considerably weaker than the Steelers defense. And so I expect Watson to put up some points. And the nice thing, he's got like what, like four number two receivers, right? Stills and Fuller and Cobbs and uh, Cobb and Cooks. And the nice thing is if you if you have that deep receiving uh, core like that, then the secondary for Minnesota has to match that. They have to go deep into the dime looks and Minnesota just does not have that in the secondary right now. They they are not that kind of team. So I'm looking at Houston winning this one and, and probably fairly comfortably, especially since Kirk Cousins week to week has not looked great and he looked absolutely putrid uh, against the Colts, um, l- less so against the Titans. But I really think Houston has a decent defense. So we're going to say Houston 27, Minnesota 13. Houston favored by three and a half. Again, I think that they can comfortably cover the spread and get the victory here. Okay, Chicago. Indianapolis at Chicago. Um, Chicago is a strange team because they have somehow managed to win three games this year, all of which they should have lost. 
Um, there's no two ways about it. That game in Atlanta was was an embarrassment for the Falcons, and the Falcons just continue to embarrass themselves week after week. Uh, Nick Foles triumphantly comes off the bench and throws three touchdowns. Here's the thing. Nick Foles is a much better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. Those are just facts. We understand that. Nick Foles, he's a Super Bowl MVP. He's a veteran. He's a very good quarterback. Now, when I say very good quarterback, I'm saying uh, he's not upper echelon. He's not elite. He's not one of these guys that's going to elevate everybody around him to a ridiculous degree. But Mitchell Trubisky loses you games. Nick Foles is capable of winning you games. So I really like the move to, to put Nick Foles in. That's huge. And really, it's a study in contrast at the quarterback position in this game because in Indianapolis, you have Phillip Rivers, who I love Phillip Rivers. I'm a huge Phillip Rivers fan. But at this point in his career, he's too much of a gambler. He's like uh, Brett Favre. Uh, when Favre felt like he had to do everything for the Packers in those seasons uh, before McCarthy arrived. And Rivers just takes too many gambles. He always throws a few uh, to the opposing secondary. And I expect full well that he will do that against the Bears because the Bears do a nice job of getting a little bit of pressure on the quarterback. The Colts, in so many ways, feel like they should be one of the top contenders in the league. And yet, uh, Rivers bizarrely limits them. It's not that he's not a better option than Jacoby Brissett was for them last year, but it's that he kind of caps what they can do because he's always going to make that one mistake that costs you. And against the Chicago team that has taken advantage of every opportunity this year, I kind of feel like Nick Foles is the type of quarterback who can play mistake-free enough to take advantage of that he can take advantage of the fact that his defense will probably give him a few opportunities with errant Phillip Rivers passes. Now, Terry Cohen's out. He's on IR for the season now for Chicago. So they're going to have to lean heavier on David Montgomery. Uh, But I feel like Foles can carry the offense. And meanwhile, I fully expect the defense to play quite well. Now, I don't think this is going to be a rout by any stretch of the imagination, but I fully expect the Bears to go to 4-0, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I, I fully expect the Bears to go to 4-0. and So I'm taking Chicago to win this one straight up, 26-23. Now the Colts are favored by 2.5 points, so we're taking the Bears against the spread here as well. That takes us into Detroit. Stay in the NFC North there. Uh, Detroit is a team that has struggled at points this season. They've done some things very, very well. Uh, They run the ball very well with Adrian Peterson, and they kind of shocked the world by taking out the Arizona Cardinals last week. Well, good for Detroit. Can they do the same thing against the New Orleans Saints, who seem to be reeling? The Saints really got beat down uh, in their last game against Green Bay. Um, I don't think Detroit can get it done against the Saints, and here's why I, I don't think they can. Um, because the Saints' defense is underrated. Now, they, they got carved up against Green Bay. Why? They got carved up because Aaron Rodgers is an elite quarterback. That's why they got carved up. Now, the Saints did some things right. Alvin Kamara looks amazing this year. He is running the ball uh, tremendously. 
He is one of the best receivers in the game, regardless of whether you're talking about running backs or wide receivers. Alvin Kamara is one of the best in the game and Drew Brees knows how to use them. But the other thing going right for the Saints here, and we don't know this for sure, but I think Michael Thomas will be back for this game. And if Michael Thomas is back for this game, this is a completely different Saints team. Now, Breeze is not going to take you far into the playoffs because it's true. He has a weak arm and he can't beat you over the top. It's true. You saw that. He was incapable of doing that against Green Bay and he's been incapable of doing it all year long. But the Saints can still win games, especially if Thomas is back because the thing about Michael Thomas is he is such a good route runner that he beats you on the route in short routes. That's not easy to do, but Thomas does it, Kamara does it, and Breeze knows how to take advantage of those things. So you're going to see Drew Breeze checking it down to Kamara, you're going to see him hitting Michael Thomas if Thomas plays, and even if Thomas doesn't play, I think we're underrating the Saints here, and I think we're overinflating the Detroit value here, because while Detroit, yes, yes they beat the Cardinals, does that mean that they're a good team now? No. They're still poorly coached. Matt Matt Patricia, not a good coach. Their defense has clear weak spots in the secondary. And really, I feel like the Saints are going to roll here. This could be a statement victory by the Saints. Uh, The Saints are favored by four and a half points. I don't think that spread is big enough. I'm going to take New Orleans to really put on a show offensively uh, with Thomas hopefully back. And I'm going to say New Orleans 48 Detroit 20 and I just don't think Detroit can win in a shootout I think they need to be in a game where it's ball control and they can run the ball with AP so that takes us over to the team that Detroit beat last week that's the Arizona Cardinals at the Carolina Panthers now the Carolina Panthers took out the Chargers and they looked far better than people thought they would uh, with Christian McCaffrey out of the lineup so Arizona here is favored by three and a half, and Arizona has looked very good all year long prior to that Detroit game. Kyler Murray has definitely taken a step in his his second season, and we've seen him develop into a much better pocket passer, but we've seen him really kind of taking that Russell Wilson mold and running the ball when he needs to, because when Kyler Murray decides to take off, it's amazing. He's a He's the fastest player on the field, period. So, you know, watching these defensive linemen try to catch him, Murray's running like half speed and he's able to get away. Kyler Murray is such an impressive athlete and they have a really good offense. Cliff Kingsbury has designed a good offense. Um, So they're playing a Carolina defense that has given up a lot of yards on the ground uh, most of the year. And they shored that up a little bit against the Chargers. But I don't expect Arizona to have a difficult time running the ball against this team. They're not the same without Keekley in the middle there in Carolina. So Arizona is going to be able to run the ball. And Kyler Murray has never failed to connect with DeAndre Hopkins. So Arizona is going to get their points. Now that leaves the Carolina Panthers struggling to keep up with that. Without Christian McCaffrey, it's harder. Now, Bridgewater's played well, and he's got some nice targets there. I like I like Bridgewater's chemistry with DJ Moore. I like his chemistry with, with Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson. 
but it's just not going to be enough because this Arizona team, they're a legit playoff team. They are. And Carolina, they're not that good. They're playing a little bit above their heads every game, and that's great for them. Good for them. I'm happy for them. But see, Arizona's still going to get the victory here. I'm calling for Arizona 28, Carolina 24, and that means I'm calling for Arizona to get the win straight up and just barely cover that three and a half point spread. Uh, but I'm taking Arizona uh, against the spread as well. So I think Carolina will hang in there, but but just not quite enough. Baltimore at Washington. Now, the Baltimore Ravens did not look good against the Chiefs on Monday night. But you know what? Few teams look good against a properly motivated, properly prepared Chiefs team. Who's out here stopping Patrick Mahomes on a consistent basis? Because I don't see those defenses. So it was no surprise that they struggled against the Chiefs. And people are kind of writing this Ravens team off saying they're not elite. You know what? This Ravens team is very, very good. And I I think you're going to see that against Washington. Now, the, the Washington football club, they have been a little inconsistent. I still like the structure of their team. I still like Haskins. I still am a big fan of Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin and what they do offensively, but there's some key pieces missing here. Uh, Chase Young, their dominant defensive end, is going to miss this game. He's doubtful to play in this game. Without Chase Young, that pass rush is very, very much affected because they're already missing Ioannidis and other pieces up front. So Washington is not going to be able to contain the running game of Mark Ingram, of Gus Edwards, the Gus bus getting it rolling, and J.K. Dobbins, and Lamar Jackson. Baltimore is an embarrassment of riches in their backfield. They have four potential thousand-yard runners in that backfield, and their their run blocking of their offensive line, led by you know Ronnie Stanley and Bradley Bozeman and all these, is so outstanding that it's hard for even a team like Washington, who's structured to stop the run, uh, to hold that point of attack, to, to be a strong team defensively, it's going to be hard for them to hang in there against that. But this is a game that I see Baltimore really just doubling down on their, their running capabilities. I think that they're going to prove that they can be that kind of physically dominant team there. I don't see them putting this game in the hands of Miles Boykin and Marquise Hollywood-Brown and Mark Andrews. Uh, you I'm not sure because we'll have to see what kind of game plan Harbaugh has, but I feel like the game plan just dictates a nice solid victory, not a blowout victory. And I feel like Washington can can hang with them to a reasonable degree. Now, I'm still calling for, for Baltimore to win by nine points. I'm going to say Baltimore 29, Washington 20. But the line here, Baltimore's favored by 13 and a half points. That's a huge line. That's, that's a massive line. That's saying that we're spotting Washington two touchdowns right there if, if you want. So you know what? I'm going to take the points. I'm going to say Washington, sure, they can they can beat the spread there, but, but I'm definitely taking Baltimore to get the straight-up victory. Well, Jacksonville at Cincinnati. Um, Gardner Minshew, again, we talked about this earlier, did not look great against the Dolphins. I really thought you'd see a really solid performance from him against the Dolphins. He didn't look great. 
James Robinson looked very good, especially in the passing game. You know, we're, we're getting used to James Robinson being somebody that they can really rely on in Jacksonville. And, and I still like certain elements of Jacksonville's offense, LaVisca Chenault, and, and hopefully they got DJ Chark back for this game. So I, I like Jacksonville's offense. On the other side, you got Joe Burrow. Burrow is awesome. I love this kid. He's he's the first overall pick this year, and you had to wonder, how's he going to do taking over uh, a, just honestly a putrid Cincinnati team? And he has taken the helm, and last week he led them to a tie against the Philadelphia Eagles. Cincinnati is not as talented as the Philadelphia Eagles, and Burrow took a beating, but he hung in there. This kid is tough. Burrow will hang in there. He'll take the hits. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham were harassing him all day long, and Burrow never stopped stepping into those throws. I love this kid. And now he's facing Jacksonville. Jacksonville does not have the pass rush that Philadelphia had, and Burrow's gaining confidence, and he's gaining a rapport with Tyler Boyd. And that spells bad news for Jacksonville. I really feel like Joe Burrow is opening things up now where Joe Mixon's going to finally get rolling as well. So I, I like Cincinnati in this one quite a bit. They're favored by three and a half. I, I think that they'll comfortably get that. I'm going to go Cincinnati 27, Jacksonville 21. And I like Burrow to continue to improve as the season goes on. Well, we talked about a massive spread earlier uh, with Baltimore being favored over the Redskins by 13 and a half. Here is another matchup that has a big spread. The New York Giants are visiting the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are favored by 12 and a half points. Now that too is a pretty large spread. Um, I really like the Rams in this spot though. They are coming into their own. Jared Goff is looking more like his old self week by week and their offense is just stacked. You know, between Higby, Cup, and Woods, you have great receivers. And finally, they feel like they have found a suitable replacement for Todd Gurley in the running game, giving consistent carries to Daryl Henderson the past two weeks. I expect that to continue. And I think Daryl Henderson has a certain explosiveness that's lacking in Malcolm Brown. Maybe Cam Akers will eventually have a role in, in here too. But, but I really think that the ascension of Daryl Henderson makes a huge difference for Jared Goff and really helps their play action to work very, very well. Now, the New York Giants on the other side of the ball, they've lost Saquon Barkley for the year. And boy, do they look like a mess offensively. Not only did they lose Saquon, but they also lost Sterling Shepard for the year. So now, well, maybe not for the year with Sterling Shepard. We'll see how long he's out for. But for now, they've lost Sterling Shepard. And they're trying to compete with teams with a backfield that consists of a very washed up Devontae Freeman and a very washed up Deion Lewis. Basically, Daniel Jones is their most productive and athletic runner in the backfield. That's not a good sign. They are not going to be able to run the ball against a fearsome Rams defense uh, that, that will keep Jones running for his life. Fully expect Aaron Donald to dominate this game as he usually does against inferior competition. 
And with Jones not having a run game to lean on, he's going to need to put the ball in the air. Uh, That puts them in a dangerous spot because then John Johnson and Jalen Ramsey and the Rams defensive backs can have a field day with Jones, who often turns the ball over. So you're just looking at a perfect storm for a blowout here. I don't see the the Giants defense being able to really stop the Rams offense. See the Rams maybe, yeah, they'll they'll try to run the ball and use up the clock, just like you saw San Francisco do against the Giants last week. The San Francisco 49ers, as banged up as they were, you saw they had all backups in there pretty much to close out the game against the Giants because the Giants are essentially a triple-A NFL team at this point. Um, both New York teams are. So I'm going to go Rams 34, Giants 14. And so I'm taking the Rams to win by 20 comfortably, uh, taking on that 12.5 point spread and covering. So the Rams to win straight up and the Rams to win against the spread. Now we talked about Patrick Mahomes earlier. Is this guy fun to watch or what? He tore up that Ravens defense. He is a true superstar. Patrick Mahomes is... He's just, if you're a football fan and you don't enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes, what is wrong with you? It is so much fun to watch this guy play. He clearly has a joy for the game and he's doing amazing. Now, I love, I love matchups where you get a chance. Some of the great early season matchups this year have been featuring Bill Belichick because I love seeing New England, Bill Belichick, scheming to try to stop a guy like Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be very interesting to see how the defense tries to slow him and and his weapons uh, like Tyreek and and Travis Kelsey and now Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, how Bill Belichick is going to try to slow these guys down. Now, the thing you know about Bill Belichick, Belichick loves to isolate on what is your favorite weapon, and he loves to try to take that away. The thing about the Chiefs is, if you try to take away Mahomes' favorite weapon, maybe that's Tyreek Hill, right? You try to take away Tyreek Hill, Mahomes will burn you with Sammy Watkins. Mahomes will burn you with Travis Kelsey. Mahomes will burn you with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You do not have... Mahomes will burn you with his legs at this point, too, because he knows how to play the game very intelligently as well. So... You don't really, even even a guy like Bill Belichick, who I have the utmost respect for his ability to scheme, I think he's going to have a hard time really stopping Patrick Mahomes. Now, how is he going to do that? How is Belichick going to game plan this one? One of the ways that Belichick might uh, incorporate his game plan is he's got a very talented team with running the ball. New England has one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the game, so Belichick, of course, is going to try to consume time of possession. He's going to try to hold on to the ball as much as possible. Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, maybe James White is back. Um, Even short passes using Cam Newton in the running game. Of course, those are things that Belichick will do. Cam Newton has played at a, a virtual MVP level this year. He's been great. And he's got a nice burgeoning connection with Julian Edelman. I appreciate the New England offense, and New England's able to hang in there. Look look how they did that even against Seattle, a team that had far more talent than them, but it came down to the last play of the game. I think you might see something pretty similar here. Now, I'm taking Kansas City to win this game. I think that Kansas City is just, there's just so much better, and Mahomes is so much more talented 
than, than what Belichick's going to be able to scheme for. So I'm taking Kansas City to win, but I'm taking them to win 34-28 over the Patriots. The Chiefs are favored by six and a half points. I'm taking them to win by six points. So I am taking the Patriots against the spread. I'm saying that they will keep it relatively close enough to be able to escape here with a, with an against the spread victory. But you got to give the straight up victory to the Chiefs. Okay, two teams I really like. Buffalo at Las Vegas. Now, when we're talking about young quarterbacks playing well, we can't fail to mention Josh Allen. Josh Allen has been terrific all season long. He's not just a quarterback that uses his legs anymore. He's not just a quarterback that uses his cannon of an arm anymore. He's always been one of the most supremely talented quarterbacks in the game. What's changed? What's changed is he started to process the game. It slowed down for him. And simultaneously, the Buffalo Bills went out there and acquired Stefan Diggs for him. That has been huge. A young quarterback needs a reliable number one receiver, and that's just what he's got in Stefan Diggs. So good for Josh Allen. Now, Allen is going to put up some points. The Vegas defense is not that great, and they're going to be missing their first-round pick, Damon Arnett, for this game. And even though I like what the Las Vegas Raiders have done, especially offensively, I feel like Buffalo is just going to score quite a few points against them. That's just the fact of the matter. Now, the Ra- the Raiders, they're, they're going to be competitive here. I love Darren Waller. I- I'm loving Derek Carr. He's really bought into Gruden's game plans. He's really doing well. Josh Jacobs has been so effective, not just in the run game, but in the passing game as well. So the Las Vegas Raiders, I really like them. I think they're a playoff team this year. Uh, I'm a big fan of them. But when you look at Buffalo and the way that they're performing offensively, and they still have a solid defense, I I think you see Buffalo coming out with the win here. And and so I'm going to go Buffalo 36, Las Vegas 29. And I think it could be a tightly contested game, but I just think Buffalo is the better team. The San Francisco 49ers. What a conundrum this team is. Now, you you saw them lose opening week, and then you see them win but lose all of their guys against the Jets, and then you see them just dismantle the Giants with seemingly with all third stringers out there. And we don't know who's suiting up for this one. Is Garoppolo going to be back? Is it Mullins? Does it matter? Because this team is so deep. Their defense is so deep. Uh, They lose Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas for the season, and their defense is still looking good. Uh, On the other side of it, Carson Wentz has really regressed. It makes me sad to say that, but, you know, we just talked about how Josh Allen needed that solid number one receiver. What does Carson Wentz have? I like Deshaun Jackson, but he's not a solid number one. Uh, their their receivers are so banged up, so injury prone. You got Greg Ward out there who I, I don't think would make a lot of teams. And I'm not trying to be mean to Greg Ward, but you know, you got Greg Ward out there being essentially your number one receiver. Um, they got Miles Sanders back. That's good. They lost Dallas Godert. That's terrible for them. Zach Ertz is, is still a solid player, but He's a short intermediate target, and they need a, a field stretcher. So they, they drafted Jalen Rigor. 
Well, he's out for, he's on IR now. So the, the Philadelphia Eagles are just too banged up and Wentz has regressed. I don't think it matters in this one if it's Jarek McKinnon or Jeffrey Wilson in the backfield for the 49ers. I don't think it matters in this one if it's uh, Nick Mullins or Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think it matters who's suiting up for the San Francisco defense. I think that they can get after Carson Wentz, and I don't think Philadelphia has a chance in this game, really. Um, Now I'm projecting San Francisco 30, Philadelphia 20. San Fran's favored by six and a half points. Philly's a mess. So uh, they don't really deserve (laughs) even to be a six and a half point underdogs. It should probably be more. Their defensive line looked very, very good in the last game. But now you're dealing with San Francisco. This is a whole different game. And I just don't think it's going to go well for them. San Francisco is going to have George Kittle back in all likelihood. And you're just going to see them uh, cruise to a fairly easy victory over the Philadelphia Eagles in this game. Okay, that brings us to the Atlanta Falcons at the Green Bay Packers. There's not a team out there that I dislike this season much more than the Atlanta Falcons. Now, dislike is a, is a strange expression. Let me explain what I mean by it. I don't enjoy this team because they're too talented to be 0-3, but it's a lack of mental toughness. It's bad coaching. It's, it's poor secondary play. It is everything about what you you don't want to see about football. It's everything that makes football not entertaining to me. When you see guys that just can't fulfill their assignments, they they can't get through on a pass rush, they can't make the game competitive, they can't tackle right, uh, they can't establish the run, they can't play when it counts the most. Yes, Atlanta's a talented team. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. Julio Jones is a great receiver, and, and in Julio Jones' defense, he missed last week, but... Um, You know, Atlanta is a team that just lacks the edge that they need to to win. And this is a permanent Super Bowl hangover. This is exactly what this is. You know, everybody you ask about this says, no, no, no. Atlanta wasn't that affected by what happened in the Super Bowl when they were up 28 to 3 and lost that game to the Patriots. But that team has not been the same since. And what we're seeing at this point is, is a hangover from three years ago. They still got it. They still have that in the back of their mind. They jump out to a lead every single game, pretty much, and then they blow that lead. They really need to fire their coach. Dan Quinn is not a qualified head coach. And at this point, even their personnel leaves something to be desired because I just don't like the way this team was built. They can't hold a lead because they can't run the ball consistently. Todd Gurley is a good running back to keep on a pitch count. But if you need a guy to take 25, 30 carries a game, Todd Gurley is not your guy. And so you see Atlanta, they, they lean away from him when it counts. Now they got Brian Hill back there. Maybe they'll use him in that way. But I don't think it matters in this one. You've got Green Bay who is just on fire. Aaron Rodgers has been playing out of his mind. He has been looking like throwback Aaron Rodgers. Suddenly, you have Alan Lazard looking like an all-pro wide receiver. Uh, The Saints, they were so concerned with Marquez Valdez-Scantling that they were double-covering MVS all day 
Uh, so it shows you the respect that these wide receivers are getting. That just opens things up for Aaron Jones. You're wondering, why is Aaron Jones running wild like he did against Detroit? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because the receivers are taking some of that pressure off of them and vice versa. Rodgers doesn't have to worry uh, about uh, people not worrying about a run game. So they're able to use the play action. It's complementary offense. And Matt LaFleur is doing a beautiful job of running these these little motions pre-snap. And they're doing very, very well. Green Bay has a defense that has clear weaknesses. They're not a great run-stopping team. Atlanta can't take advantage of that. I don't see them taking advantage of that. So while Green Bay is favored by 7.5, I feel very comfortable taking Green Bay to win this game straight up and to beat the spread. And I really think they'll cruise. I don't think it'll be an issue. Um, These are two teams moving in opposite directions. Green Bay's 3-0, Atlanta's 0-3, and I see Green Bay moving to 4-0 and Atlanta to 0-4. So Green Green Bay, seven and a half point favorites. I have them winning by 12. Green Bay, 33. Atlanta, 21. And uh, just a quick note, uh, the Steelers and Titans game has been postponed. So that means that we normally would have had a pick for that game, but we will not. Uh, We'll see what the NFL wants to do scheduling wise, but that's kind of a strange thing that's happening right now. Just a few notes for fantasy purposes, and I'm not always accurate with this, just, uh, you know, it's kind of a fun thing to do. So here's a couple things I think maybe fantasy-wise. I'm looking at Nick Chubb having a huge week. I, I just, I think Chubb is unstoppable. I think he's playing out of his mind right now, and I think he will continue to. Uh, in Chicago, with Terry Cohen out, I see David Montgomery basically ascending to his role. So Montgomery has been the every down back. He's gotten consistent touches, but I see that continuing to go up because Montgomery has ability in the passing game. And so I think you're going to see him essentially taking those Terry Cohen touches and getting those as well. Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. I see what happened uh, against Green Bay being just a preview of, of where Kamara's at. He's healthy for the first time in a long time, and he is playing extremely well, and I think you're going to continue to see him do better and better each week. A little thing going on in Baltimore. Gus Edwards, get on the Gus bus. I am quite stunned, honestly, that J.K. Dobbins hasn't taken over that Baltimore backfield, but in a strange turn of events, it looks like Gus Edwards is going to get more and more work in that Baltimore backfield, and deservedly so. The guy has capitalized on every opportunity they've ever given him, and I expect to see that continue. Stefan Diggs against a depleted Raiders secondary is just not fair. So Stefan Diggs, I'm sure he's going to have a big week. I like the Kendrick Bourne and Nick Mullins combination against Philadelphia this week. So I could see Nick Mullins playing very, very well and putting up some really decent numbers. Now, if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, that's fine too. But no no matter what happens in San Francisco, I see Kendrick Bourne uh, continuing to carve out a nice role in that 49ers offense. So there's just a few 
fantasy takeaways that I have. But honestly, don't take my advice on fantasy because I am not doing well this year. Uh, hopefully this week is a rebound for me in all ways. Hopefully we uh, we get our picks uh, right this week. So we're, we're going to be watching these games. We're going to be following them and hope you watch them, enjoy them, and may your fantasy teams all be winners as well. Well, thank you for tuning in. This has been NFL Picks with Gabe Week 4 and Everything Burrito Production. You are much appreciated, and you have a great weekend.